Welcome to Creativity, the podcast where art and engineering collide. My name is Jeremy S. Cook, and this is my co-host, Max Maker. Our guest this week knows his way around retro gaming, turning 80s kids' toys into new Rumbus video games. And he runs his own development business with his wife. His name is Matt Brailsford from the UK. Hey guys, how you doing? Oh, good, how good. are you? Yeah, pretty good. So so first of all, what have, uh, what have you been working on this week? What's What are you up to? Well, work or personal? Both. Well, either one, whichever is more interesting. I Can you differentiate? Uh, yeah, so uh, my day job is as a developer. As you, as you said in the intro, I, I run a development company with my wife. We build websites for other com- uh, other companies. It pays the bills. <laughs> <laughs> it, it pays for me to do the things I enjoy in my spare time. So I guess in my in my spare time at the moment, I'm just playing around with some more kind of retro gaming stuff. So I found um, online something called Freeplay, uh, Freeplay Zero, where they've converted a uh, little Game Boy Advanced into uh, to be able to shoehorn a little Raspberry Pi Zero in there. I'm currently buying the bits together to, to build one of those, which looks pretty cool. Okay. Is that uh, Game Boy DS is the one that you flip open? No, the slightly, I think it's older than that one. It's the GBA. It's Oh, the purple one. Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I like the shape of those. There's something aesthetically pleasing about them. Yeah, the SP looked pretty boring, to be honest. It's just yeah, a gray box. Yeah, a box that flips open. Could be like a makeup box. <laughs> I, I remember, I, I that was the last one I bought, and... I was amazed by, I had this game, it was Lord of the Rings, and they had a little tiny video sequence. Right. It was just maybe two or three seconds long, and I was so amazed. I was like, wow, I can watch videos on this thing. (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember the Game Gear, which is the Sega one? And I think they made, that used to take cartridges in the back as well, and they they had a cartridge which was a a TV antenna, so you could turn your gaming device into into a TV. Yeah, I think my buddy had that. Yeah. Pretty cool. He, oh, but he had it for the Game Boy. Yeah, yeah. He had it for the Game Boy. Are, are you sure about that? A TV cartridge? I'm, I think they did I'm a camera one. Sure. They did a camera module for the Game Boy. Oh, that's right. I don't know if they did the TV one. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure he had one, and he, he kind of broke his antenna, and then he connected just a bare wire from the antenna to the socket <laughs> of his house antenna, and he, he said that works. I'm, I'm, I'm still not. I still don't know if that could have worked or not if he was just f***ing me. I think he might have been showing off. <laughs> I, I remember I had a Game Gear growing up and it was just, I think it took six AA batteries and it was like, I never had the money to have the batteries for it. And it's like, I could just, I could buy the DC adapter for, you know, $15, but there was never quite, I was like, well, I can get a couple more hours with six more batteries for like $3 or I can spend $15. <laughs> and you know, it was like, I hadn't quite figured out the economy of like, you wanted instant you know, you buy gratific- the big, yeah, instant gratification. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't wait that month to save up for the <laughs> no. DC adapter. I had to have my fix right right then. <laughs> now, what about yourself, Max? What have you been working on this week? I've been working a lot outdoors because we have really nice weather. It's sunny every day for, it has been for a month, which is very unusual for North Germany. Uh, so I've been working on the driveway uh, for almost every day for a month now. Um, and I've been building lots of customer work because I ran out of parts. Uh, you know, I built these draw slides for caravans and somehow I forgot to order new parts and so now I had to make some from scratch, which is very time intensive. And after I was done with that, I started taking all the scrap parts I had and building shop furniture for my new workshop. So I made a bandsaw stand 
out of aluminium profiles. Uh, I made a video about that and then I made um, a little shelf to put all my tools in to hang up on the wall. So every tool has a little, um, little slot just for that tool so I can pull out the tool without pulling out anything else. And then today I built a miter saw station with folding wings so I can fold it down and fold it back up so um, I can put down a whole piece, a whole length of aluminium and it's nicely supported. So yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's that's my month. Sounds like you've been really oh, wow. busy. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, every day for a month. <laughs> I, I saw that you built it out of aluminum extrusion, correct? Yeah, yeah. So, so is it? A, shall I assume it's a Bosch Bosch extrusion? Uh, well, that's the thing. I think Item is the company that invented this a few years ago, but the patent ran out a few years ago. Um, so maybe oh, five okay. years ago the patent ran out and now anybody can make it and my stuff is I'm pretty sure it's from China because it's so cheap but it works just as well as uh, the Bosch or the item stuff okay yeah here here we use 80 80 20 is what most people use but like you said the it, patents run out so now now anybody is that 80 times 20 centi uh, millimeters they just call it 80 divided by 20 80 slash 20 and I think it's a uh, it's a reference to Pareto's principle, you know, 80% of your, what is it, 20% of your effort gives you 80% <laughs> of the results. I, I don't, I don't know. It's just. Uh, are, are you joking? Or is it true? No, I'm not. I'm not joking. Not. I'm not joking about wow. any of it. And um, you know, a lot of industrial machinery is like the guarding is used. They use the 80-20. It's like, oh, give me some 80-20 guarding, and that's people know what that is over here. Which wow. now that I'm explaining it to a non-American, it sounds. Kind of ridiculous, but it's yeah, very popular some, here. Somebody asked me today, did you use 80-20 for, uh, for that? And I said, like, no, it's it's 20-40 because it's <laughs> 20 millimeters by 40 millimeters. Okay, yeah, that's that's yeah. probably what they meant. Um, so there you go. And it's uh, interestingly enough, they have metric sizes and American sizes. So I guess uh, it could be 80-20, you know, 25-25, I guess, you know. <laughs> But this 80-20, it, it makes sense because um, the tiny things take most of the time. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, you think about it, you know, I think we were talking about it another week, you know, just, you know, some of your projects, you put all your this effort into it. And it's like, wow, nobody, nobody cares about this. But then you, you know, that 20% of, you you know, you do one, one thing and just kind of takes off. I'm sure, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've, I'm sure you've seen results like that, Matt, as far as your business, right? I'm sure yeah. some things are. Yeah, uh, it's it's always the same. You can get so much done really quickly, and it's always the 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 last details that that just eat up all the time. Same with same with the making. It's just you can get quite a lot in quite a short period of time, but then that final finessing is is what just it that takes you eighty percent of just getting it perfect. Oh, so I, I you you, you you build a lot of um, tiny arcade machines. Yeah. So when you build them, what takes up the... Uh, first of all, can you describe to the viewers what exactly you're building so uh, to the listeners um, so they can't see us? <laughs> yeah. and, and then wh what takes up most of the time when you're building them? So I think I've built like four little arcade machines at the moment. So I tend to be inspired a lot by kind of retro 80s type toys and things from that e era. So I think the first... The first one that I made, I call them Rhombus uh, because it, it runs ROMs, so it's an emulator, and it, it just sounded 
quite retro because my first one was called Roma 3000 and it's like everything in the 80s was something 2000 so I thought 3000 was obviously better right <laughs> by, a, by a factor of a thousand it, it always seems silly you know it's like you know early 80s it's like whatever 2000 you because know, the year 2000 was so far in the future yeah. but then it's it gets to be 2000 you're like this is actually pretty silly now you can't have a <laughs> yeah. you know year 2000 space program when it's 2015 you know no so yeah so i was just it was just that fun everybody seemed to do that in the 80s it was like so far in the future it must be futuristic every time any anything was named 2000 uh but yeah so um so my first one was um i took an old grand grandstand scramble it was a little desktop toy from the 80s that was like a little video game um and basically just ripped out all the insides and swapped that out and put a raspberry pi in there and converted it to run uh retro pi which runs various different emulators so yeah I, i converted that made a little arcade and then the next one i did i was inspired more from cocktail cabinets so this i I decided to continue the rhombus theme throughout all of these so this ended up being rhombus ct for rhombus cocktail um and this one was designed i designed this one all myself in terms of making uh the, the whole cabinet myself designed it and laser cut it and kind of painted it and stuck it all together and again it was trying to be a little desktop sized two-player arcade machine um and that one came out pretty well um oh yeah that was that was a beautiful that yeah was beautiful. I, I really that's probably what probably out of all well i don't know i was going to say that's my favorite but my new one's quite cool as well um uh, but the one in between so the one that came after that which went quite crazy on twitter was I'm not sure if you had these in America. It was the Tomy uh, Turbo Dashboard. Um, it was a little red kid's toy again from the 80s. Um, and it was a little steering wheel with a, a, a gear shifter. And then there was a little screen with a car that used to be like move from side to side. It was all mechanical. Um, I, I don't I don't remember that particular one here. I, I remember no. I had this motor motorbike racing game that you just yeah. wound it up and then they had like a little little bikes that came and you had to like dodge them with a mechanical yeah, thing pretty similar so it didn't it was just a rolling road like you never actually got anywhere it was just like you could tell it was just a drum inside <laughs> that's got got the print of a road on there so it was pretty cool i, it was... I think i just consider how many hours i spent playing that game it's just you know and then you were like oh well you know this game that's a thousand times better than this you know you put it down after two, two hours or something yeah. you know <laughs> but it's so cool like with that especially i think there was just so many people uh that had had that toy as a kid so it was just so like ingrained like it just was i think most people were just reminiscing of being a childhood when they had that uh, but the conversion that i did was to basically revamp that so what i like to do is kind of try and reimagine 80s stuff as in, but what would it be today if the engineers then had all of the things we have available to us, like readily off the shelf? So this conversion, I converted it again, putting a Raspberry Pi in there, but a little screen where the car used to be. Uh, and this time it ran OutRun 
Um, so um, a port of the classic outrun that runs on a Raspberry Pi. Um, but it was pretty cool because I managed to, because this was a, a port and wasn't actually running an emulator, I was able to kind of dig into the code and I was then able to use that to drive a physical kind of dashboard display. So had rev counter and like fuel gauge and speedometer. Um, that one looks really, really cool. Yeah, it was. It was it was a really fun build to do. And like I say, half the people that really loved it were people that had that toy as a child. And then the other half were retro gamers, which just loved OutRun. And that, those two together just made that crazy popular but it was really fun and it was fun to try and integrate kind of hardware into software so everybody knows the classic outrun game uh, but all the little dials and things that used to be on screen i pulled those out and made them physical displays and it's really cool just watching people's reactions when they realize that i'm driving it and it's like that's one thing that i'm driving and that's influencing outrun but then when they see all the dashboard display kind of light up in real time to the game, they just go insane. It's, it's just like crazy. <laughs> I think the last thing that I did as well was put um, a little vibrating motor into the steering wheel. So you get haptic feedback when you're <laughs> like driving on the roof or when you crash. Oh, that's great. So, oh, wow. How, how did you get that from the software? Um, so the port was it's something called Cannonball, uh, which is a C++ port of Outrun. Um, and so because it's a port, it was it was the it was the whole code there. And and because it's running on the Raspberry Pi directly, obviously there are libraries and things in for C++ that run on the Raspberry Pi that let you talk directly to. Uh, the GPIO pins and control things that are connected to that. So it was really just picking through the source code of the game and finding the points where certain things happened and then okay. passing that so detail off to the hardware. So so the code is something like, if on the rough, make it rumble. Yeah, essentially. So the game, oh, wow. the game so knows... So you actually had to go into the code yeah, of yeah. the game. Yeah. Wow. So it was, it was all a bit <laughs> hacky, uh, but it didn't really matter it was it was just getting the the final effect and it, it worked really well I like and the it. finish looks really nice on the machine itself yeah yeah again that's you... a, that's another thing that i like to try and do which is i have certain rules that i, I like to try and give myself because i think rules kind of they are quite good in terms of forcing you to work within limits i i, I find that a good thing having specific limits so one of them is one that I try to give myself is that it should always look as off the shelf as possible, that somebody should, should be able yeah. to look at that and not realize that it's been hacked. Because I think there's a tendency in making, which is all cool, this is where I started, which is wires and things poking out everywhere. And you can tell that it's been modified. Whereas I like that surprise element where people see it and they think they know what it is, but then they don't. So that trying to get that off the shelf look is one of the things that I really like to try and do. Yeah, that, that's the thing I don't like that much about my Fab Lab. I've got a local local uh, they call it Fab Lab, it's a yeah, makerspace yeah. and uh, the tool they use the most is a laser cutter and the cheapest material they can get is really thin MDF. Yeah. So anything they build, you can tell oh it's made on a laser cutter. Yeah. It is. It's just it's always square corners, it's never anything round, <laughs> anything beautiful. And I just think, oh, come on, just put a little bit more effort into this. Yeah. I mean, the, my cocktail table was fully laser cut. I think you can still, I, I, I do agree with, I think there's quite a lot of things out there that are just raw laser cut 
laser ply and you can you mm-hmm. can tell those and see those like a mile off um and it's just the standard kind of make a look uh but it's yeah it's that thing of can you take that an extra step further and kind of try and make it look as professional as possible um and that yeah that's what i like to to try and do yeah well you certainly you've certainly been able able to pull that off so that i guess your last build you actually called this the or it's a rhombus pinball Pinball. table yeah yeah so this is again this was a laser cut one uh this really looks like a pinball yeah thankfully pinball. i'm looking at a picture now and it it really looks like a tiny pinball pinball table it is (laughs) (laughs) thankfully though been laser cut it's all square anyway so <laughs> that worked <laughs> that, that, that works perfectly this was probably the first uh, this uses a latte panda which is similar to a raspberry pi but it runs windows so that was the first time that i i used that it was a requirement ultimately because there were no pinball emulators that i could find that ran on a raspberry pi um but in some way that was kind of a blessing in disguise as well because uh, the raspberry uh, the latte panda supports dual monitors out of the box so it really okay. allowed me to do that kind of game field and the back glass uh, screens which i think again they're the things that people are just like oh cool he's got a he's got a pinball you can play pinball on it and then they realize the back that the back glass is live as well so, so, so the back glass, you've got an actual little monitor in there. Yeah, yeah. And the uh, playing field as well is also monitor. Yeah. So. And uh, where did you source them? Like, how does that work? Um, I, I can attach an LCD display to an Arduino, but that's really simple. But you're saying you've got Windows on here? Yeah, yeah. So it's, I think sometimes it's there's a bit of luck involved as well. So the the Latte Panda, um, they have. A, an official seven inch uh, little widescreen monitor that you can connect. And that's the one that I use for the playing field. Um, so that probably was the starting point of the entire pinball machine. Like you, you take the measurements of what is available and you say, right, well, I'm, I'm gonna base it around this. So for me, the starting point was that monitor, knowing that that's probably what I'm going to use for that screen. Um, thankfully that being seven inch, the back glass was a five inch display and they're really kind of easy to get hold of, but thankfully they're kind of in scale. So there was a bit of, there was a bit of look there that one doesn't look hugely kind of out of scale or proportion to the other one. But yeah, the, the little seven inch screen was the off the shelf standard monitor for the Latte Panda. And then I just based the rest of the design around that. So when you boot this up, um, do you get the Windows, the startup sound, and all of this? Yeah, yeah. So it has to it has to boot into Windows first, and then there's kind of like a, a, a an application that boots on startup um, that launches the uh, user interface. So similar to if you've ever used uh, RetroPie, that you can choose your emulator and choose your game. Then there's there's a couple that are available for fin- pinball machines as well. So this was Pinball X, and it allows you to flick through the different pinball uh, games that you've got in, and so you can choose which game you want to play. Wow, that's unbelievable. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So you could play Minesweeper on there, in theory. Uh, yeah, <laughs> you, you'd have to do it from the side, because <laughs> looking at the side, but in theory you could, yeah. Now, I know you tried to sell some of your inventions years back. Is, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I did. But yeah, I guess you found that to be challenging. Yeah, I don't know whether it was the right product. I guess the main thing that I sold was something called a Petduino. Um, and this was a little Arduino 
uh, pet is what it was meant to be. But it was just meant to be like a little cute thing that had a, a couple of buttons, a screen. Well, I say a screen. It was a, an 8x8 dot, dot matrix. And then just a few other kind of um, sensors and things. Uh, because I think when I started playing around, I only came to hardware like in my late, well, probably 20s. And it might have been late 20s. So I'd, I'd kind of played around with things historically in the past like just taking things apart i think everybody probably did uh but mm -hmm. but making and learning about arduinos and things wasn't till later on in life uh but it's that i think i i hear it from a lot of people which is they all buy arduinos or they all buy raspberry Pis, and it's like now what do i do so <laughs> so so my petduino thing was just meant to be well if you want to get into arduino because this had an arduino based in there then you can build this thing and you've got a few things that you can do out of the box because I think that's what people were lacking. But yeah, I did. So I built this kit. I've sold it online, sold quite a few of them. But I think this was also a, in a, a time of kind of Kickstarter era as well. And there was mm -hmm. just so many Kickstarters of people building like with things to, to learn coding. And you're like, oh, this this is just like a crazy market kind of <laughs> to be in so it was i was just a small guy just like putting like these they were pretty cool kits and i did get some good responses from people that built them but it was just a, a it's just a crazy market to try and get into or at that kind of level there's so many different people that are building things to help te uh, teach coding which is good but it's competitive so it, it wasn't an easy market for sure Hey, I thought it was a pretty cool product myself. So we, yeah. were, we weren't trying to say it wasn't, just uh, just wondered your experience, you know? Yeah, I, I think it was probably, it's not necessarily a bad product. It was it was a good product, but it would be a, it would take a lot of effort, I think, to make it really popular. It would probably be okay as like, just to make a bit of spare cash on the side. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, sure. it was also like how much, it didn't feel the right product to me. I, I almost felt like I, did, I'm, I made it because of, um how i felt when i started but that's it it probably wasn't true to the style of making that i like to build so like all my retro stuff is probably more akin to what i like to build so it was a reaction of this would be pretty cool for other people but i think it was more a case of i'm probably not the right person to do that because that's not where my passion was so it wasn't a bad right. product it probably just wasn't the right fit with me your business is programming that's your main business so every every hour yeah. you spend working on the other thing that may make you some money but maybe not as much as it's got to be eaten to you it's, it's just costing me money every every hour you know maybe i make five dollars an hour yeah making it's this like device. this podcast <laughs> like this, I, I mean i think we, we make uh, what negative negative money per hour probably for the podcast. negative money and you still owe me for for the zencast and the soundcloud uh premium accounts oh right so yeah i gotta gotta pay up so but you do these you do these for the love of it you like this oh yeah like it's fun doing you know creative I, I can't talk about these things with my girlfriend can i <laughs> <laughs> she's listening to this so. <laughs> yeah so uh med well we always ask our guests what is your favorite tool oh See, you've said you don't like laser cutting, but laser cutter's my favorite tool. I think you could not like them. I they like laser cutters awesome. yeah. if you use them you know, sensibly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just love it because it's just so rapid. I've got one in the garage, which is like 
I know that's quite privileged to have, but it's just so, so useful. Like you can be sat on the couch thinking something up, spend 20 minutes, draw it out in kind of Inkscape and then head to the garage and have it cut in two minutes and then built whatever you've designed. Um, mm -hmm. I've got a 3D printer in there as well, but I just find those take hours to to do pretty much anything. And I'm really bad at getting quality finishes from 3D printers. Um, really? My, my one just worked out of the box. I never had to adjust anything yeah. ever. I just... I guess I was lucky. I don't know. I, I really I like just, mine too, but it just takes forever. So that's yeah. my problem with it. Yeah. yeah. I found that if I put it somewhere in a room that I don't have to open for 24 hours, I don't mind it running. <laughs> but if it runs in my room or somewhere where I walk by all the time, it makes me nervous because I think, oh, this could fail at any second. And then I've wasted 12 hours already. Yeah. It, it doesn't really make sense because whether it stops or not, you know, it's not my physical work I put in there. It's just time invested. Yeah. Well, sure. But it's not my time that I invested. It's the time the machine invested into it. So. It's the time you invested your hope that it would come out well. That's true, yeah. yeah. But no, I'm just really... I, I don't know why I'm so bad at it, but it, I, I, the same reason you don't like laser cutters... Every, well, not that you don't like laser cutters, but certain makes... <laughs> I'm, I'm pain, painting a bad picture of you with laser cutters, aren't I? <laughs> I, I guess what I don't like about them is um, the material thickness, because 5 millimeters probably works quite well for your scale of things that you build. Yeah anything handheld but when i build anything that's a little bit bigger anything like a furniture piece yeah yeah, yeah. i can't use a laser cutter no. it's just too thin no but you just need to yeah. buy a water jet machine oh, you know that's that would be nice. oh yeah that's cheap i heard yeah <laughs> <laughs> no they're not oh. what is the oh I've, have you seen the shaper the uh, yeah. router oh that's, yeah that's got a little kind of mini cnc machine in there i so want one of those but they won't yeah. they're not available outside of the u.s yet I, I actually got to use one last last year i went to the maker fair in new york and they were there oh, yeah and, um, yeah they I, I was i was shocked at how good they were i, I think i was talking about this the other week and it was just mm -hmm. you know they correct you, you say okay i'm gonna go from this point to this point and they kind of can correct for you and i was I didn't think it would work well, but it, it did. And I guess they wouldn't show up to a show if it, if it didn't. So <laughs> Yeah. yeah that, really. would, that would be an ideal tool that I would like. Until then, my, CN, uh, my laser cutter is my favorite. Well, you have a CNC router as well, right? You don't use that quite I as much? I do. Yeah, I've not really used it too much. Um, what, what brand is it? Oh, I don't know. I bought it off a friend, so he was, oh, okay. <laughs> he, he was, okay. he'd used it quite a lot. So I knew it worked and it did what it CNCs are meant to do. Uh, but I don't fully know. Uh, I think I did put a, is it the X-Carve con mm -hmm. controller onto it? So he, I think he was using some Raspberry Pi based like home built controller. And I have a rule, which is if you want to, if you want to use it, buy it. If you want to figure it out, then, then you can build it. But yeah. So for this, I just bought the X bought the X Carve controller, and that it worked really well. Uh, but I haven't, oh, yeah, I don't great. know why. I just haven't really got into CNC. Something hasn't clicked with me yet on that one. Oh, there's a lot to learn. Yeah, CNC. It's it's not as easy as a 3D printer. No, also or laser cutting. <laughs> or laser cutting, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've got a. Well, I guess we both have one. I'll, I guess all of us here have CNC routers, but it's oh, yeah. it does take. It's weird because you know it's like you just. <laughs> strap a piece of a wood onto it any any wood you want 
let yeah. it go. But it it's for some reason it's just so much more complicated than using a three D printer. I, I guess I guess because the material is so consistent with a three D printer and with a laser cutter, you're not really well. I don't know. That's that's easier too. I guess I don't have one. So I, I would like if I wouldn't there. have to connect my laptop to it every time. Like just have a standalone um, thing where I just put in the SD card. Yeah. And, and run it from there. That would be really nice. Yeah. So maybe somebody that knows about electronics could develop such a board. Sure. Then they could sponsor our podcast. So that'd be... Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> now, um, I've read, I guess you're quite good at a program called Umbraco. Is, is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. I don't think there's any okay. particular way to pronounce it, but that's as good as any. Okay. Now, I have no idea what that is. What Can you uh, elaborate that? I mean, that's what your business is based on, yeah. right? Yeah. So what so, what is what is this? So this is um, a CMS. Uh, so it's a content management system, and it's just a kind of platform on on which to build websites. So I, I guess if you put, you will many people will be familiar with something like WordPress. That's a CMS. Uh, so it allows you to build websites where customers can manage their own content. Ultimately, um, historically, people have built websites and. If the customer wanted to change anything, they would have to go back to the people that built it and ask them to change it for them. Um, so, so all Umbraco does and other CMSs do is allow people to kind of change that content themselves. Um, and then Umbraco is just one that kind of clicks with me and one that I've been around for quite a few years now. And it paid for your garage too, I guess. Yes, it does. <laughs> well, that's great. Hey guys, I, I just bought a lathe. On eBay. Wow. You did. <laughs> how many just, got a, just got a message. So how many? Uh, it's, how heavy is it? I, I just know the price. It's it's 750 euros. Oh, it's it's a jeweler's lathe. It's not that big, but it's uh, not very old. It's it's at, at most 10 years old. Nice. Oh, that's oh, great. Wow. Congratulations. Nice. Yeah, so, I, I don't have thank one you of those much. yet. I don't have one of those yeah. in my garage yet. And and it looks like I can pick this up by hand. So. You know, it's 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 not a really big one. That's really cool. Sweet. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, we we've Just talked about email. this before. It's like you know, it's it's like the million machine. It's like the yin and the yang. You know, you gotta have million machine, you gotta have lathe, and then, well, and then yeah. you have to have everything else: three D printer, yeah, <laughs> laser cutter, <laughs> whatever else. So. Wow, that's really cool. There's always one more tool that you need. Oh yeah, now I need to pick it up. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to drive there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I got a, I had a lathe that weighed 800 pounds back in the day. And I had to, when I got it back to my house on the back of my truck, I had to have somebody, I hired a tow truck to come pick it up and put it in my garage. It was, <laughs> he didn't seem to think it was that weird of a thing to do, but you know, I, somebody suggested that and they, I guess they, they tow cars and they tow, tow lathes. So that's what they do. <laughs> Quite specialist. <laughs> Sometimes I'm amazed by the, the questions that the people don't ask. Uh, w when I've got some weird situation where I have to deal with different people, and then I always think, oh, w what are you going to say when they ask you this question? And they, they don't ask the question at all. They don't even find it curious. Like that guy that, that t told your life, you know? He, he acted like he'd done something like that before. And, you know, to be honest, when I got the lay, the person, you know, it's like, well, you, sh you could just hire a wrecker and they'll do it i'm like really they can they can do that and like, oh you know they got a <laughs> they've got a crane in the back of their thing so i was like okay why not so oh yeah that's true you know they can they can pull my car out of the lake or they can 
pull my lathe into my garage either one <laughs> so so Matt, what are you working on uh, right now that's going to be released soon um well i don't know about working on right now well i am but it'll it'll it's gonna it's probably a long running project this one um so a follow-on from some some of my other kind of arcade builds uh, so this one's going to be another mod of an old 80s toy. Um, and this one's based around something called um, the Top Shot, uh, Top Shot Pilot. Uh, this mm -hmm. was, a, again, another 80s desktop um, mechanical toy. Uh, but you used to have uh, a joystick and there was a, there was a little screen. And inside there, there was a physical little jet, plastic jet on the ground that spins around when you kind of move the joystick and the game it wasn't it was a similar kind of 80s game uh rolling fields that you have a physical element that kind of moves around and shoot things or avoids things uh but this was pretty cool because the the game used to project down on top of like the the playing field where the jet was so i've been trying to figure out how i can convert this again into something a bit more modern so the if I wanted to do it really quick and really easy, I would probably just rip everything out, put a screen behind it, and kind of turn it into like a an afterburner arcade game. But the something about that just kind of feels wrong to me. Like there's a lot of engineering that went into the original that it, it almost feels like disrespectful to the people that built the thing in the first place that they put that much effort into it, and all I do is kind of put a screen behind it. Mm -hmm. So I something i've been trying to figure out is can i keep that kind of physical jet element inside so when you look inside there's this plastic jet that spins around when you move the joystick so originally i was looking at um different project projection techniques to see if i could mimic what was there originally but maybe digitize the uh projection uh those weren't working out too well um, but what I have realized is that with modern LCD screens, they're not actually affected by magnets like kind of old screens used to be. So my theory and plan at the moment is to see if I can kind of lay um, an LCD screen down inside the, uh, the console and place the jet on top in the middle with a magnet behind it and control and spin it on top of the LCD screen. And if I can do that, then I would, I'm also looking to see if I can build like a custom game then uh, that is displayed on the screen and the jet ultimately stays in position where it is in the middle, but the playing field would move around. So it's kind of like it's flying around and, ah, and, that's really and doing cool. things. So there's a few tricky elements there in terms of figuring out the, the jet and the magnet base control and then coding up a, a custom game for it. But yeah that would that's one that's on the like on the list of things to to be building but it's going to take a little time so instead of moving a joystick to control the jet the jet is controlled manually by hand itself uh well the jet is controlled by the jo by the joystick so when you uh lean it to the left or lean it to the right the jet physically spins so this is what oh, this okay. is what it does at the moment so it's got some kind of lever system underneath inside that controls that jet and and causes it to move around so i want to really keep that kind of aesthetic that when you move the joystick the jet inside uh the viewing area that spins around so i want to try and keep that so i'm going to see if i can do that with the jet sat on top of a screen so the jet is real and physical but the game 
kind of plays out on a little LCD screen that sits underneath it. So, yeah, pretty cool. Uh, I don't know how long that'll take, but it's it's my ongoing project at the moment. So, Med, where can we follow your progress on your new project? Have you got an Instagram account, or what's the best place to find you? Most of my activity happens on Twitter. My personal one is at Matt Brailsford, so my name, all one word. Or if you're just interested in the making side of things, then I also go by CircuitBeard. So I've got at CircuitBeard as well on Twitter, and that's the same on Instagram, so you can at uh, CircuitBeard on, on Instagram as well. Jeremy, how about you? Yeah, you can find me on YouTube, uh, Jeremy S. Cook. That's my YouTube channel, or on Twitter, at Jeremy S. Cook. So simple oh, enough. Jeremy. What I wanted to ask you is, are you buying any fireworks for 4th of July? Oh, that's that's a good uh, good point. I actually am making a strand beast, a little, a new strand beast that's going to light off fireworks for the 4th of July. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to ah, be that's amazing. That's what it was for. <laughs> yeah. So um. So yeah, I've got a 3D printed body for it, and it's got some um, relays in it that'll hopefully take some nichrome wire and and light the fuses and stuff. Should be should be great. Should look like a tiny little mech warrior. Mech warrior. Thing. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> really looking well, hopefully the strand beast has enough friction so it won't uh, be pushed around by those um, fireworks. Yeah. Well, if it is, it should be a fun video either way. <laughs> It'll <laughs> yeah. either be the destruction of something by a strand beast or the destruction of a strand beast by fireworks. Nice. So <laughs> either way. So now what about yourself, Max? Where can we find you? Uh, well, no fireworks until New Year. My Twitter handle is at max underscore maker underscore yt. And you can also check me out on Instagram. Uh, that is max underscore maker underscore YouTube. And of course, the YouTube channel. Mine and Jeremy's. Worth watching. Check them out. And yeah, Matt, thanks for being our guest. No problem. Thanks for having Can't me. Can't wait to see your latest creation. But anyway, thanks uh, Thanks so much for coming on. It's, uh, it's great to talk to you. No problem. Good to talk to you as well. Bye-bye. Cheers, guys.